Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. We are back with Nathaniel Gillis, the religious demonologist. And Nathaniel, let's talk about the haunted house. Now, did you live in it for 20 years or you researched the haunted house for 20 years? Uh, I researched, I want to make that correction, yeah, I, I, I was in the house for about five. Okay. And, uh, but I went to a second house, that, and that entity followed me. But the, the first house was the most active, absolutely. What happened? Tell us about the haunted house. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, well, it's, like I said, I was eight years old, and it began, like I told you, you know, I walked in, and I, I just smelled um, just a stench, you know, and, and later on, in my life, I, you know, Dr. Barry Taft, the great towering Dr. Barry Taft, oh, yeah. would call it a decomposing or rotting organic matter. And uh, so it began with the smell, and it began with the, I guess it was an apparition underneath the bed. But she, I could tell that she was hiding, um, and I just felt fear. And so that was the beginning of five years from hell. <laughs> I believe it. Um, Did somebody it, die in that house? I think so. I, I've, I've researched it. I haven't been able to find any records. Don't they have to disclose that before you move in? They do, and they should have. They should have. You know? That's right. And I, I'm glad that uh, society is maturing to that point now. But uh, I went back to that house in Dayton, Ohio, and, uh, you know, revisiting some of my neighbors and I asked him I said uh you know I said how many people have lived in that house he said well he said after you left <laughs> he said uh everybody they, they rent the house out and he said the people that that rent the house they only stay there for about four or five months at a time uh-huh that'll tell you oh absolutely right that's that's the number one and it's not an Airbnb rental that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> nobody's making any money then that's yeah right. um but it started out as the apparition and then the smell, and then it began, we, we had all wooden floors, and it began with uh, what, I heard, what I heard was footsteps and the wooden floor creaking. And uh, so I, I would walk out there at 2 or 3 in the morning, and I didn't see anybody. Nobody was there. As an 8-year-old now? Yeah. My God, where were your parents? They were across the, ra- across the way. <laughs> Did they know you were wandering around? Yeah, they did, and um, they, you know, they didn't understand a lot of what I was going through, and that's not, you know, kudos to them for at least helping me out on some of the things, yeah. you know, but uh, it was, it was absolutely crazy, because the phenomenon, the phenomenon, rather, would, would build itself, layer upon layer, and it, it started out, like I said, it was the apparition, and then it was the smell in the room, and then the footsteps, and then I heard voices, and uh, it was a lot like the Skinwalker Ranch phenomenon where you hear voices up above you, and you can't understand what they're saying, but you can very much understand that someone is saying something. And uh, so that moved on, and then, and then I remember in the middle, I remember in the middle of winter, um, I had looked out the window, and I was eight years old, so I was a little dude. And I remember looking up to the window, rather, and I saw a shadow figure. Tippy toes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm a short guy, so yeah. Huh. Uh, you know, when I'm looking at it, and I, it, it scared me to death. So I just ran and got underneath my covers. And I remember the next day, I got up for school, and uh, I looked down, and I saw two footprints in snow outside my window. Oh, so so here's the problem. The window itself was a very tall 
uh, window. So like where it began was like six, seven foot. And so whatever was looking into my room had to have been either Nephilim or some big dude. Well, and the Lee footprints means to me that it was a physical creature. It could have been, yeah. It, there was a lot of stuff that happened, George. Like, I, I remember waking up. Here's what's fascinating to me. I mean, would a ghost or a demon leave a physical footprint? They can. They can. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Just like they can, you know, physically smack someone. Sure. Or scratch someone. Um, and, you know, we, we have cases even to, with the hat man. Uh, one of my best friends had an experience with the hat man. It was an ap- apparition. And when they uh, got their, his mom up and looked in the garage, you saw muddy footprints. So these guys can can do a lot, but I, I the the crazy thing, the most cra- the craziest thing I I noticed and went through was, I would go to sleep and I, it, and I had a nightmare. It was in all black and white, and uh, I remember walking down into a park and they have like you know those shelters where you have a family reunion. Mm-hmm. Well, there were two kids. And I was I was young. I had no idea what drugs were. I mean, I was. I was pure as a driven snow. Yeah, I didn't you're a little eight-year-old boy, for crying out loud. No kidding. Yeah. It, was, it was a crazy time. But I remember walking up on these guys, and uh, they had their backs turned towards me. They were on a picnic table. And the guy on the right had a needle in his arm. <laughs> and Ouch. He, yeah, he didn't acknowledge, acknowledge me, but the one on the left did. And uh, I'm, I'm walking up to them, and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm doing this, right? I don't want to go see these guys. I'm freaking out inside. But the one on the left turned and looked at me, smiled, and put a gun in his mouth. No. Yes. Sir. He didn't pull it, did he? He pulled it. And Uh-oh. every time he would pull it, I would wake up in a cold sweat, and there would be a heaviness, a heaviness. I'm talking like the air in the room got thick. And I had that nightmare for months, and uh, it even Horrible. got to a point. Do I? Horrible for a little boy to have to go through. That. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And I I went through that, and it got to a point where I would be forced to stay up all night with the lights on. And so what I would do, I mean, I, I even felt a great in school because I would stay up all night till 7 in the morning when the sun rose, and then I'd get a quick 30, 40 minutes of sleep, go to school, and sleep all day. Were you getting physically sick from all uh, of this? Yeah, I was, yeah. There was, and this is, a, you know, side effect of a haunting. I mean, at what point, Nathaniel, do your parents say, we're going to have to take you to a doctor or a psychologist <laughs> or something? They, they prayed for me a lot, and uh, I, I figured out, that this was something that I alone had to deal with. And no disrespect, but I mean, were they intricately involved in trying to get this fixed for you? They were. They were. Okay. Um, my dad, you know, you know, my dad was working first shift, and here I am as an eight-year-old <laughs> bringing my mattress into the room <laughs> and laying down. And, and your I just pillow and pop you popping down on the pillow and the mattress, and there you were. Yeah. I, yeah, I did that a lot. Uh, but but I remember waking up one night after the dream, and uh, I looked in the corner. I had the lights off, and I looked in the corner, and there was a black, like cloud-like figure in the corner of the room. And I remember it making me feel. Uh, this is crazy. It made me feel like I was the smallest thing in the entire universe. 
And in doing that, it made me feel like whatever this entity was, was bigger than anything I can imagine. And that's what forced me out. You know, I, I got into to researching the paranormal later on, and I realized, hey, I'm not the only one experiencing this stuff. Well, at what age did you start doing heavy research into the uh, paranormal, into about, the demons? About 15. 15. All right. That's still pretty young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to know what I experienced. I was tired of feeling like I was crazy. I mean, George, it would follow me. Did you have friends? I'm sorry? Did you have friends? Yeah, I had a lot of friends, and uh, they just they never knew under, understood what was going on. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you live in a haunted house. It's, you don't really want to tell anybody, because nowadays people are like, really? Yeah. Or well, you're a weirdo. So you kept it's it like, uh, a secret? Yeah, I did. Okay. For the longest time, and, and I, I kept it a secret until I understood what was happening, and until I could articulate the experiences that I had in a, a very meaningful and germane way. But when I was 15 and 16 years old, um, that's when I got into paranormal research, like I said, and I, I began to read things, you know, like the, the Bridgeport Poltergeist, the Parent Family Haunting, um, just a bunch of them. Did you do and it all it, on your own, Nathaniel, or did you have some kind of teacher no. helping you along? No, it was just me. Yeah, it was just me, George. But it was fascinating to me. And... The more I got into this stuff, the better I felt because, again, I felt alienated and disenfranchised by my own self. I didn't understand it, you know. But once I got through all that and I started to realize that there are people all over the world who are experiencing what I experienced, and, and that's when I decided, you know what, they need more validity concerning in Christianity because we have a lot of people, George, that are experiencing hauntings, poltergeists, and supernatural phenomenon, and they have no one to go to in the Christian church. No. No, they can't. And, it, you know, and the best they can offer, the theologians, many of them, the best they can offer is saying, no, we'll pray for you. And what would you say, Nathaniel, out of 20 houses, how many do you think are haunted? One, maybe? Maybe? Well, depend on how old it is, even though that's not really a restriction. That's not the out barometer. Of 20, I would say about... Maybe one. Yeah. I mean, so the percents are pretty low. Yeah, it is pretty low. And I don't want to seem like only old houses can be haunted. I mean, look at the Keith Lender situation in Seattle. You know, they built that house, I think it was 2004, and crazy stuff started happening. So, um, but, you know, more than anything, George, I wanted to make sure that, that, that everybody who is like in Christianity or, or even in Judaism, just because you've experienced something and you give it to someone who is not learned or educated or even open-minded enough to validate it does not in any way discount the validity of your experience. You are experiencing very real things. And my goal in this was to find points of reference or frames of reference, rather, in the Bible, to help us deal with these things and, and really put at ease the hearts and minds of people who are experiencing things that they just don't understand. You have something called the preternatural epiphenomenal philosophy. Yes, sir. What the heck is that? <laughs> That's a good question. Very good question. Well, uh, that began when I read a book by uh, Professor Henry Wyman, he was a theologian and went back to Harvard in the 1800s, I think. And uh, 
he wrote a book called The Religious Experience and the Scientific Method, and he described how uh, someone can walk into a dimly lit room and their hand touches the uh, edge of a tablecloth. And he says, even though I don't understand what I touched, the experience of the touching is real. Now, preternatural epiphenomenal philosophy is, is, is understanding that what we feel might not be the spirit itself at all. And I postulate that by describing me. Let's say if I walked into a pool of water and I created a wake in the water, which is displaced water. The wake is not me at all, but it's a secondary consequence of my presence. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think that, that the paranormal research right now, I mean, my goodness, we have people that can download an app, go pick up EVPs, and now they, you know, <laughs> but no big deal. No, the problem is, again, we're, we, do, we do what the Hebrews did in antiquity, is we take, a, take uh, experiences and we slap demon on it. And I think that that, that, that is epi- uh, uh, preternatural epiphenomenal philosophy, is when they sit there and say, you know what, it smells like sulfur, it's the demon of sulfur. And that's what they did mm. in the uh, first and second temple of Judaism. And it just completely, completely killed our understanding of what we're dealing with. Would you say that you are strictly a demonologist, or would you say you're a demonologist and an exorcist? I am not an exorcist. I am strictly a demonologist. Okay. Um, exorcism, right now, I mean, obviously you mentioned about the Catholic Church, and one of my great heroes is the absolutely preeminent Malachi Martin. Yes. God I rest his soul. God rest his soul. He was, oh, <laughs> he was incredible. I have a first edition of his book, Hostage to the Devil, and I keep that, you know, hidden and wrapped up in paper so nobody can touch it. But the problem is, when, when we're dealing with exorcism, we're dealing with unclean spirits. And I can prove that in any way we wish to. And it, you asked me a question earlier about why it is that the Catholic Church um, seems to have a great authority on it. Yeah. Um, the fact is, it's not just the quoting of uh, Jesus, it's not just the asking of the name, but it's the sprinkling of holy water. Now, Malachi Martin would tell you about how um, you, know, you, you, you sprinkle holy water on them, and they'll know the difference between Dasani <laughs> and holy water. And, and I think that, that we are being, we're given hints to what's really going on, because all, all of this phenomenon, all of it, can be found in the Bible. Wouldn't holy water, if you tossed it at a demon, kind of burn them? Yes. And it, in that that process. I keep thinking again, of the. Deal- I'm sorry. I think keep thinking of the Wizard of Oz when the witch was doused in water and she was melting. No Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.